This is episode number 182 of the Life Strength and Health podcast. I'm Kim and I'm joined with Jamal. Greetings, everyone. And uh, peace and blessing. Yes. And thank you for joining us this week. This is part three of our three part series with Chris Jackson on understanding COVID-19. Part one was laying the foundation with Chris regarding what is a virus, what is COVID-19, really the background information about the virus. In part two, we dove into common myths that are floating around out there, whether they were valid, whether they weren't, was there a half-truth? That was very informative. And then part three, we're going to continue on with addressing some common questions and concerns of COVID-19 and most importantly, how to properly protect yourself and your family against COVID-19, especially if you are still leaving the house, if you're going to work, if you have to go to the grocery store or what have you, how can you properly protect yourself and your family from COVID-19? And that's what we'll be diving into in part three. Yeah, and I really enjoyed this particular segment because I since uh, listening and learning these kind of tips that he gave, uh, we started incorporating these things into our life. Like we had a, a decent practice before, but it really opened our eyes that, you know, there was a lot more that we could be doing ourselves. So we started to incorporate a lot of these things uh, at home and, you know, just feel more more protected in doing this especially for for our elders. Right, definitely. Yeah, it was definitely eye-opening. Like you said, we learned a lot and uh, we hope that you learn a lot from this as well. And as I mentioned with the first two parts, please share this episode with as many people as you can. We want to get this information out so that we all stay protected and safe. And the show notes page for this episode is lifestrengthandhealth.com forward slash 182. That's lifestrengthandhealth.com forward slash 182. Okay, so without further ado, let's dive into the discussion. So so let me ask you a couple of questions. Um and we'll we'll come back to to some Q and A's uh, at the end. Uh, safety. Uh, one of the things that we've been educating people on is uh, just just eating right. You know, just proper nutrition and doing things to make their health as optimum as possible. You know, just looking at this thing holistically. Uh, but there are other things. A lot of information that uh, is out there in regards to to safety and hygiene and things like that. Uh, can you share with us um, just thorough ways for people to protect themselves? Indeed, indeed. So here, here, is, here is a general action plan for you know, the listening audience and those who are listening now in, in the archive. So one, you want to follow the advice coming from WHO, CDC, and other health professional organizations and individuals. That's number one. Now, on top of that, there are extra things that we should be doing. So, of course, it's recommended you do social distancing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stay stay away. You know, uh, that's that's an effective way. Of course, you know, we go ahead. Yeah, let's stay there for a sec with the social distancing. I'm hearing uh, uh, kind of mixed. I'm hearing three feet. I'm hearing six feet. I'm hearing eight feet. What uh, What's ideal? 
the the further the better. See, gotcha. actually, th- think about three feet, for example. Mm-hmm. Three feet is, you know, three rulers. Right. You know, yeah, but if I, I can sneeze on you at three feet. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, now coughing, a, a cough, normally it doesn't travel as far as a sneeze. Mm-hmm. You know, because if a person coughs and you see and they're looking at you, so you know, you have person A who has the COVID nineteen, person B does not. They're facing each other. So the person coughs, you have a little time to step on back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, if you do it immediately, right. now the person sneezes, you know, you know, you got to do electric slide back. <laughs> <laughs> you know. um, so, but if you're six feet from that person, you double up three feet, then you increase your chances. Oh, no, you decrease your chances of the droplets coming to you. Because remember, once it shoots out, then it drops to the ground. Right. You know, so the further the better. So, and, you know, people you know, make, make good judgments. Mm-hmm. Remember, think about three feet. Three feet is three rules. You know, you can talk to somebody, have a full-blown conversation at three feet. Mm-hmm. You know, like regularly, you know, because most conversations, and I'm just approximating here, when we're talking to people, you know, and there's no, like, outside noise, like being in the club, you're usually between, what's, uh, one to three feet anyway, right? Mm -hmm. That's a normal conversation. You know, if you're in a club and it's a lot of noise, you're standing between, what, one inch to one foot, Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, just really, you know, people have to make the judgments, regardless of what's being put out there. The further, the better. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, do your social, you know, do your social distancing. You know, if your city said, do not go outside and play the basketball court, do not go out there and play the basketball court. Mm-hmm. Now, usually a person might think, well, I'm out here by myself. Nobody's out here sneezing and coughing on Keep in mind that person is thinking as an individual. When you're dealing with city and government officials, they're not thinking about you and your personal feelings and your personal perception. They're dealing with uh, things as a group because they because they they're concerned with what's called herd immunity mm-hmm. and and the health of the of the entire group. So if you get the group to stay inside, then the group stays inside. One individual goes out, that one individual could bring something back. So right. in order just to solve that all together, no one goes to the basketball court, if you will. Because now the healthcare professionals and others don't have to spend waste time getting you to get off the basketball court where they could be dealing with things that are more important. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that. Next. Uh, hygiene. In the healthcare field, we are trained, well, we are taught that the most effective way to decrease and or stop the spread of germs, viruses, pathogens, bacteria is hand washing. That is that has been proven as a fact. The most effective way 
to stop the spread of disease, especially for healthcare people, is washing hands with soap. I'm saying again, soap and water. That is the most effective way because your hands are the primary transmitters of diseases, pathogens, etc. So people in general are you know, not as clean as we would hope them to be. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I went to see a patient and I go into the room and this patient is in the bathroom. The patient comes out of the bathroom. Mind you, the sink is right there. As soon as you open the door, you cannot escape the sink, mm-hmm. you know. And, but this patient decides to bypass the sink as if the sink is not there and proceed to walk to the bed. And I said to the patient, you know, pardon me, in our effort to halt the spread of germs and diseases, etc., we would like for everyone to wash their hands when they come out the bathroom. So when this patient goes to the sink, I said, let me watch and see this person's hand-washing technique. Mm-hmm. And the patient simply ran the water and was rubbing the hands under the water so I proceeded to train the patient on how to do proper hand washing. Proper hand washing is lathering hands with soap and you wet it and then you vigorously scrub. See, many people, they'll just rub their hands together, put a little soap in there, water, rinse off. Not realizing that the rigorous and brisk Rubbing is what removes uh, germs and pathogens, which will include viruses and bacteria. So uh, I said to the patient, open your fingers. Open your fingers. Go between your fingers. Both sides. Get your palms. And then you want to, let's say, take your thumb, put it into the opposite hand, and twist. Twist. I like to call it twist uh, scrub. Do that on both sides. Do the top of your hands. Now, I like to take it to another level. I wash all the way up to my wrist. Mm -hmm. From my wrist up to my forearm, even sometimes up to where my elbow is. So that's what I had the patient. And we are trained to do this when we're in the OR room or the operating room, in which I have experience in the operating room as well. But it is, a, it is a excellent practice to do on a daily basis. And if you want to go to another level, you can put more soap in the palm of your hand and, in a sense, scratch with your opposite hand to get the soap under your fingernails. Do that on both sides. And then, you know, scrub rigorously. Take the nails of your opposite fingers and get them under your nails. Get that dirt. Get the you know, uh, the germs and pathogens that are under your nails. Because you might have COVID-19, COVID uh, sorry, COVID virus under your fingernails. Mm-hmm. You know, because again, it only takes, what, one time. 
It only takes one time, one entrance, from where you least expected it or never even thought about it. What I would like to do is actually look at the statistics of healthcare providers who are on watch or who actually have uh, COVID-19 because we're rigorously doing these things which prevent it. Mm-hmm. But if we have more people who are following these steps, then we can help stop the spread. In regards, in regards to hand washing, I know this seems basic, but um, it's really not because a lot of people aren't doing it the right way. Uh, wh- what is your recommended amount of time uh, that a person should spend washing their hands? Um, all right, so two things. The recommended time of washing hands and then the frequency throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So the recommended time, minimum 20 seconds. Minimum 20 seconds. I have an aunt who's also in the healthcare field, and she says, say your ABCs during mm-hmm. that time. So that's at minimum. But when you do wash your hands or your hands and your arms, then, you know, you, you need to get all those crevices. Mm-hmm. Now, that may seem like a lot, but the more you do it, the more the uh, custom you get to doing it, and it should become second nature. So now, how many times throughout the day? You should do that every time you, re- you re-enter your home. Mm-hmm. Every time you re-enter your home, that's what you should be doing. Uh, moving in, that's what we should be doing anyway, but given this time, I think now we have to put more attention to it. Yeah. And to, to the comment about, you know, like a lot of people don't really know how to wash their hands. See, this is why I think it's happening. It's not that people aren't aware that they should wash their hands because it seems really simplistic. It's do you know it by habit? Mm-hmm. It's really about habits, whether more so than if you know to wash your hands or not. So it's really getting people into the habit of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking at a, um, they did a, it was a study on hand washing and they were showing diagrams and they would use the, uh, the UV lighting to show like how hands looked after washing them after specific amounts of time. So they, they showed, you know, f- five seconds, 10 seconds, 15, and it went all the way up to, I believe, 40 seconds. Um <laughs> And uh, at 20, at 20 seconds, and I, and I know this is all based on how thorough a person washes their hands as well, but what it showed was that the longer a person washed, the, the more clean uh, their hands were under the, the UV. Like even at, tw- even at 20 seconds, when they showed the 30-second one, even though it wasn't like a huge difference, it still was a difference. Like it was still cleaner at, at 30 mm-hmm. seconds. And then... When it got to 40 seconds, it looked like it was about the same, you know, um, compared to compared to the to the 30. Just, you know, I thought that was just an interesting thing to, to share. Yeah. And and think about this. Remember that your skin has pores. So you can have, you know, germs and pathogens in the crevices of your pores. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, speaks to 
what you've observed in the video. See, the more you scrub and you want to scrub, like put the pressure on your hand. Mm -hmm. Because by putting pressure on your hands, that means you're pushing, you're pushing the soap and water further into those, the crevices of those pores. Mm -hmm. You you see what I'm saying? And that's why it's important to scrub your hands, rub them, like move, like you want to move your skin around, you know, like remove, think about, you know, a lot of dirt being on there, how rigorously, think about if you have like car oil, you have Mm -hmm. car oil on your hand, then, you know, you have to get that special soap that has some grains in it, right? Because that's get to the crevices and pores. Right. That's why the more you scrub it, as you describe accurately, um, it becomes cleaner because you, you decrease your, you increase your chances of getting to the pores. Mm-hmm. So when the listening audience said, think about that, you have pores in your hands, it's your skin. You can't just run the water on there. This may not do much because throughout the day, your skin is also secreting oils. And you, we know that oils are, res, are resistant to water. So, if you have germs and pathogens and viruses and bacteria on your hands, and then your skin is emitting uh, or secreting oils, and it gets over top of the virus and the pathogen, and you just running water on it, it's not going to do much. You got to put soap on there and scrub rivers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then hopefully we can, I, I do want to talk about soap as well. Yes. Uh, and why soap is important. See, soap, it, it, because of its chemistry, the, the soap, it, it pries into the viral coating. Because remember, a virus has a coat around it. You know, that's uh, in part made of, uh, say, uh, proteins and fats, depending on the virus. So, soap you know, it's chemistry, it breaks apart the viral coating, exposing its, its internal contents, which is the DNA or the RNA, rendering it, um, uh, it, it degrades. And once you running it underwater, once you degrade it with the soap, the water washes it down. And its insides are exposed and it's ineffective. Mm-hmm. So that's why soap is so important because of its chemistry. Okay. Now you can use hand sanitizers. Now use hand sanitizers. To make sure that the has isopropyl alcohol that's sixty to seventy percent at minimum. But typically, that's you know the range you want sixty to seventy percent because that's what will kill the virus or render or denature or render it infected. Mm-hmm. You know, and then once at your first opportunity, you want to do your hand washing with the soap. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do do these things in isolation. So you want to follow the recommendations of the CDC, um, WHO. Again, this is not a plug for them. It's just right. a popular uh, medium that you can get this information. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to doing these other things. Now, as far as cleaners are concerned, bleach. Bleach will definitely kill kill virus, you know, off of surfaces. So. But you can also do soap. 
you know, even if you do soap or water on a surface, it'll still uh, have the same effect on the virus. The thing about bleach is that if you do too much of it, because, you know, now some people may begin to go to extremes. Yeah. You know, too much of the bleach can cause respiratory issues. So still you utilize it on certain surfaces, but you don't want to stay in that, you know, too close of a proximity where you're breathing it in frequently. You know, but if you're constantly doing your hand washing, you're cleaning your shoes before you come into the house. Mm -hmm. And also think about if you have children, think about that. You know, remember, people are sneezing and coughing and you have droplets coming up. It goes to the ground. You're walking on the ground. Mm -hmm. It gets on your shoes. You walk into your house. You've now brought that to your house. And then you have a have a baby. Your baby crawls on the floor. That's direct contact. Mm -hmm. Your baby goes over and plays with your shoes when you're not looking. That's transmission. They put it in their mouth. You know, they're touching it. Then they take their hands, touch their face, put their hands in their mouth, etc. Their eyes and nose. This is how things are packed. I think that's a huge one because uh, that's one thing that we're not hearing uh, mainstream-wise about um, just because it makes perfect sense what you're saying, but no one's talking about this as far as like removing your shoes before you go into your home, spraying your shoes down and things like that. We haven't heard that anywhere. Well, also keep in mind, think about cultural practice. Yes, so absolutely. The, the, and I'm going to say typical, you know, because there's always exceptions to the rule. Typical European culture in general it, they don't have a culture of removing the shoes before entering home. Just removing your hat. Mm-hmm. Where in in many other cultures, be it uh, African cultures, so-called Middle Eastern cultures, or even in Asia, there's a rule, a custom of removing your shoes at the door. Mm-hmm. You know, because you are entering into what was called sacred space. Yes. So this is a beneficial cultural practice that we now are called to, you know, put a, put a uh, eyeglass on this practice mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know, let's let's really focus on this, take it to the next level with actually cleaning the shoes as well. Um, you know, because I, and I, this is only just my opinion. I think mm-hmm. the reason why that's not mentioned you know, by the popular news uh, uh, medias is because it's not part of the cultural practice. Right. Yeah. To remove shoes at the door. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people who work in the medical healthcare field, because we know what goes on on floors, you know, because, you know, we're, we're, we're stepping on uh, floors that people have bled on, mm-hmm. floors that people have urinated on, um, defecated on. See, because remember, uh, uh, COVID, uh, not COVID, excuse me, coronavirus, you know, it can also come out in your, uh, in the feces as well. Because mm. remember, feces is, is, of course, waste, but it includes cellular waste as well. Mm-hmm. You know, which lots of bacteria, viruses, all that stuff comes out. 
you know, be they active or inactive. You know, and we're stepping on these kinds of things, you know, in the hospital. So if you have a conversation with a nurse or a CNA or anyone from the hospital, they'll tell you, yeah, them hospitals are nasty. Now, mm -hmm. granted, we spend a lot of time cleaning those floors. We spend a lot of time cleaning those floors. But because, you know, we see these things, a lot of nurses and people in related fields will not enter their homes with their shoes on. Some of them will remove their uh, scrubs and clothes before they go into the house. Yeah. So we can incorporate, so you can incorporate those types of things like when you walk your home. So one, uh, if you if you feel so inclined to, if you want to remove your clothes because you say somebody coughed or sneezed and you were able to protect yourself, get to your house, take your shoes off, clean your shoes, uh, especially the bottom and sides and the top with a disinfectant. If you take your clothes off, I'll say put it into a plastic bag and you could either, uh, if you put it into the hamper, put it at the bottom of the hamper. Here's another thing that you could do if you are so inclined. You could spray your clothes with disinfectant mm -hmm. and then put it into the bag. So hold it out, spray it, disinfectant, close the bag up, put it at the bottom of your hamper where, let's say, children can't get to. You know, or put it at the bottom, put other things on top of it because you want, what you always want to do is contain uh, germs and pathogens. And that's one way you can do it. Go to the next level. You want to increase your chances of survival on every single level and just create newer habits. Create newer habits. Another thing that you could do is uh, think about everything that you touch. You know, the, the keyboard, different surfaces. Something that we don't really look at is your keys. Mm. When's the last time you washed your key mm. or disinfected your keys? See? So we wash our hands and then grab our keys. Right. So what, what I do is uh, for the past few days, I, I said to myself, man, keys are dirty. Mm -hmm. So uh, my fiance and I, I, I spray our keys with disinfectant. Yeah. And then hang it back up. That's, so that a good, that's a good point with the keys because yeah. I, I don't think people are paying attention to that. I've been being more mindful of my phone and actually uh, disinfecting my phone. Um, yeah. but, but the keys, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. You drop it on the ground, you pick it up. You know? Yeah. Right. You're not really thinking it's because, you know, we're, we're on autopilot. Um, if you live in uh, a building where there's multiple floors, we have to, get on the elevator or even at work, instead of touching it with your finger, you could just use your key and hit the button. Mm -hmm. So you've now decreased the surface area where a pathogen could get on your, get on your keys. And it decreases the chances of transmission from surface to person. Little things that you can do. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I just... I'm not necessarily saying you need to do this, but I'll just lift my leg up and push the push the button with my, with my foot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my, you could do that. 
make sure nobody's looking. <laughs> but make sure you wipe it down too for the next person. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, those are things you could do. Your your bags, your book bags. Uh, if they if there's some material, wash them. You can wash them. You can even spray them down with mm-hmm. the disinfectant. You know, if you are so inclined to, especially if you're doing you know, on public transportation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because again, you put your book bag on, you sit down on the bus and it's sitting up against another surface, you never wash it. Think about how dirty book bags are. Book bags, hands, uh, your mouse. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you are, if you're walking up to a door in a public place and let's say the door is not fully secure, but you don't want to touch the knob, you can go to the top of the door and see if you can pull it. Mm. Yeah. See? Little things. Little things. Here's another one. If you run out of disinfectant wipes, because, again, you know, a lot of people are buying up these items. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, usually at the bottom, once you use the last few wipes, you'll notice that they're extra wet. You have a lot of the disinfectant uh, liquid at the bottom, so you can still use that. So you can take some tissue or toilet paper, dip it in there, and then use that. So that'll help uh, increase the lifetime of the usage of the disinfectant Mm -hmm. because you'll still have some liquid at the bottom left. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, nutritionally. So nutritionally, definitely follow um, the, I'll say follow the advice, you know, uh, uh, is it life, life, strength, and wellness? Yep. Life, strength, and health. Uh-huh. Life, strength, and health. Follow the advice. What you want to do is increase, you know, the nutrients that are specifically for your immunity. Keep your immunity up. Now, here's something that the popular networks have not really emphasized. Two things. You need proper sleep. Make sure you're getting enough sleep. Yes. You know, if you don't get adequate sleep, that affects your your ability to fight off diseases. Yeah. That's that's a that's a super one right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You also have. Hydration, keep your body properly hydrated. Because remember, part of our immunity, our immune system, is the lymphatic system. Mm-hmm. And the lymphatic system is consistent of lymph, which are which is the fluids that carry your the uh, like immune cells, etc. Mm-hmm. So you have you know neutral fields, basal fields, etc. Um, um, white cells, white blood cells. You have killer cells. All these things are carried by lymph, which is the fluid. You have to keep your body hydrated. You will want to, even though we're in the house, you, you want to still exercise, mm-hmm. which, you know, I have to increase my exercise as well. You want to keep that up because that's going to help your circulation. Remember, people who exercise normally, normally, Exceptions to be noted will have 
better immune responses because you've increased your circulation, which increases the amount of times that your um, like white blood cells and other cells that for immunity will circulate through your body faster and more times. In which if you have pathogens, it increases the chance of it catching those pathogens. Keeping your body hydrated. Make sure you're getting, getting your vitamin C. You can drink your teas, etc. Do these mm-hmm. things. Now remember, these are not cures. Right. These are ways to increase your chances of being able to fight off the COVID-19 more effectively right. if, if that virus gets into your body. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that if it gets into your body that you will not get symptoms. It does not mean that. Yeah. Okay. Like vitamin C, for example, it, it, it may not stop you from the cold. Let's, say, let's take a cold or a flu. Um, it may not stop you from having the cold symptoms, but studies have shown that it decreases the duration. Right. Yeah. And you also want to get your, you know, make sure you got your zinc, et cetera. Now, of course, we don't want to go to super extremes. So don't take six zinc pill tablets <laughs> in one day. Right. You know, just take the recommended daily amounts, eat your foods, do your smoothies, Get more, but you want more vegetables. See, that's not going to hurt. If you want to do garlic, that's fine. It's not a cure because people say, "Well, do garlic; it kills the virus." It doesn't. It doesn't do that. Right. But it doesn't harm. It's not going to hurt you to do garlic. Um, because with many of these claims, there's there's an there's I would say there's two types of incorrect claims. There's a harmful incorrect claim and there's a harmless incorrect claim. Mm-hmm. So harmless incorrect claims would be, well, garlic cures this virus. So you start taking more garlic, you put it into your salads, you're sautéing with your vegetables, you're getting garlic pills or uh, habits, etc. or capsules. Okay, it's not going to hurt you, but what you think is going to do to the degree that you think is not what's happening. Right. It's helping your immunity to fight it off if it happens, but it doesn't cure it. It doesn't kill it. Nutrition, sleep, hydration. So we do have, um, we do have a a few more questions left. You want, you want to get into those or do you uh, still have some more you want to share? Let's yeah, we can, I'll take some more questions. Uh, Maybe somebody might ask about the masks, but, uh, yeah, that, that was my that was my question. But uh, you want okay. to do that first? No, yeah, you know, let let let's let me ask that question in regards to to masks. Uh, one is, uh, are masks effective? Two, if they are, what type of mask should we be looking for? Okay, so keep in mind that in science, there's no such thing as one hundred percent. I'll say it again for the audience in science. There's no such thing as 100%. There is never anything that's 100% proof. You can only increase or decrease the chances or increase or decrease the effectiveness of something. So we want to keep that in mind. So 
the regular, the, the typical surgical mask, which is what you typically see people wearing outside, right. et cetera, going to the stores, uh, those are not very effective. It is not effective. Now, and that is because those types of masks or um, surgical masks were not designed for COVID virus. You want to get things that are designed for it. So you have the N95 masks, which are designed to decrease the chances of you breathing in uh, air that has powerful uh, particles in it. Remember, it decreases. There's nothing that's ever foolproof. So the typical surgical mask is primarily for like droplets. So some so if somebody sneezes in your face and you have that mask on, then it could possibly stop if it's directly on the mask mm-hmm. or halt it. But it, the problem is it's not flush to your face. Mm-hmm. And this is why uh healthcare Professionals would tell you that that's, that doesn't stop the virus. Many people say it stops it. It doesn't stop it. Because when you put it on your face, it's loose. So it can still get on top of your nose, and then you take it, take the mask down and then touch your face, and then it rendered it ineffective. Now, N95 masks, that's properly fitted to the different sizes. You can't just grab any size of any, uh, the N95 mask. Yeah, you have to get it fitted for it, and then it's supposed to be flushed to your face, which goes over the bridge of your nose, is tight to your cheeks, and tight under your chin, mm-hmm. which decreases greatly the chances of harmful particles from the air get you know slipping in the crevices and the spaces. Surgical mask doesn't do that. The surgical mask is primarily for if you if you are sick. Right. If you're coughing and sneezing, because notice that it has two different types of barriers, one that's on the outside and one on the inside. The one on the inside is specifically designed to keep uh, coughing and sneezing and the breath from your uh, nose and your mouth from getting out. It's not designed to keep things from getting in. So think about when you are at the dental office and the dentist and the dental assistant, they're, they're sitting over top of you, you have your mouth wide open. The concern is more so if something falls out of their mouth or if they cough or sneeze and going into your mouth. Because since you are the one laying back, they're not as concerned about anything shooting out of your mouth. You know, because gravity it. They're over top of you. That's why they have the surgical mask and it's designed that way. N95 mask is designed to keep harmful particles in air from getting in. So unless you're actually sick, then you're you're probably wasting the mask by simply walking outside. And I remember I'm saying probably. Because there's always a possibility. Uh, let's say if you're in a room, so you go inside, 
and there's a lot of ventilation on the inside and a lot of air is moving. If somebody sneezes and you have a lot of air moving, then it could carry it a little further than if it just drops the ground. Right. And you're inside of a closed space. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that it might help mm-hmm. because of droplets, but it's not designed for it. Now, keep in mind that that mask, the surgical mask, is probably more effective for bacteria than it is for viruses. Because a typical virus is a lot smaller nanometers than bacteria. So let's give the, let me give the audience a, like a comparison. So you know how you have the, the yoga balls or the exercise balls? Mm-hmm. You know how big that is? Now, think about the size of a Jack's ball. Everybody with me? Yes. Okay. So the size of an uh, exercise ball, that would be a, like a bacteria. A virus would be more like a Jack's ball. Okay. Or it might be like a grain of rice. Mm. So you have the mask on and it and the, the, the fibers, the cross fibers of the mask, of the surgical mask, it it might catch a bacteria, but it's it might not catch that grain of rice size in comparison uh virus from getting in. Yeah, got you on that. Um, so before we get into uh, the rest of the the questions and answers, I just want to uh, quickly just kind of say what uh, the what came back for the polls. So the question was, how confident do you feel about the information coming from our major sources of information? Eighteen uh, percent. Uh, of you are very confident, 45% are confident, and uh, 36% not so confident. So I just wanted to uh, put that out. We did that poll at the very beginning of this. Hopefully, um, by the end, we will help uh, help you to, to, to feel more, more confident in the information that you have overall. So, uh, Kim, you want to get into the next question? Yeah, um, and I think some of these were already answered, but okay. um, one was the effectiveness of bleach used as a disinfectant cleaner yeah, he answered on that, yeah. this virus, right? Okay. Yeah. And let's see. Okay. Well, let, let me reiterate, if you don't mind. So, sure. disinfectant cleaners, to remember, it has to be antiviral or viricide. It needs to say that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, not just um, antibacterial hand wipes. Gotcha. And where it has one um, active ingredient that's specific to that. It needs to be antiviral or a virus. The next question is, do you think dogs or cats will transmit the corona to human in the U.S. or vice versa? Um, Anything's possible. But remember, humans already have it, so it's not a 
really a question of whether they will like in the future mm-hmm. um, because we, we, you know the transmission has already occurred mm-hmm. now is it possible to retransmit yes it's always possible right yeah I think that remember, I think that, that was a question like retransmitting I think mm-hmm. I mean that's yeah. possible remember but remember that the DNA profile of cats and dogs are a little bit different so if they get it based on SARS COVID virus 2 and then it mutates again, then that's another problem. Mm-hmm. So, until, but again, not, not to have people panic, but once they get a hold of COVID virus 2, then we'll be in better shape mm-hmm. in regards to either make, creating vaccines and or possible antiviral medications. Yeah. Or even other ways of dealing with it. Once they understand, get a full understanding of how it behaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next question um, is the medication. I'm see if I can pronounce this correctly. Hydroxychlorine, chloroquine. I'm not, am I pronouncing that correctly? <laughs> Hydroxychloroquine, yeah. Quinn, maybe. Mm-hmm. They are prescribing for the patients who are diagnosed with corona. Why is the same medication that is prescribed to me as so someone with lupus, rheumatoid arthritis patient, how does this medication help with corona? Wait a minute, you said this is hydroxychloroquine? Yeah, yeah. the, the medication that they're using for rheumatoid arthritis and lupus, uh, there were some reports uh, stating that it could possibly uh, help with corona. Uh, so they're asking um, how does this medication help? Okay, so one, what is the source of the reporting um, is very important. Is this a university study? Is this a hospital study? Uh, is, it a, is it a medical, medical company or a medical research company? So that should be the first question. Second, what is that medication? If they say it is for what? Rheumatoid arthritis is for lupus. Now, what, what is rheumatoid arthritis and lupus? These are immune system-based uh, diseases. Mm-hmm. So your immune system is, is, say, overreacting or attacking your own cells. So if you have a medication for that, then that would therefore be an immunosuppressant medication. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking an immunosuppressive medication, but you are trying to fight a, a pathogen in which you need your immune system to work at its top, at optimal levels, why would you take an immunosuppressant medication? It's counterproductive. Mm. An immunosuppressant medication for someone who has a normal uh, immune system, again, assuming that this person does not have lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, or any other uh, uh, immune immune system based disease. Then, if that person gets a uh, has a COVID nineteen, it at least to me it doesn't make sense to give that person person an anti or, or an immunosuppressive drug. And again, that's initially just thinking about pharmacology, right? And this is why it's important to understand. Uh, 
how the body works and what medications do, how they affect certain body systems, and what is the effect that you're trying to have. Because that medication might be uh, counteractive to something else. It, have, it might have contraindications. It'll have risks, all those things, side effects. But initially, me hearing that, that doesn't make sense. And I'm definitely talking to the, wait a minute, we talked to a doctor, like, wait a minute, what, why would you, what is, what is going on here? So what is the source of that? That's right. that. Okay, the next question. Um, this person had a mild fever on Friday into Saturday with stomach issues. Um, they thought it was, which they thought was a 24-hour bug that was obtained from their grandchild who had the same symptoms. Um, let me see. Okay, so this was passed from one grandchild to another, and then they finally got it. They feel perfectly fine now. How can we be sure um, that everything's okay if they don't want to get tested? Um, the only way that you're going to actually know that is that you have the COVID-19, you have to get tested. Like that's the, you can't look at a person and say, you have COVID-19. Because the only thing you're looking at is symptoms. And all the symptoms are flu-like symptoms. Cold-like symptoms. So it looks like a cold. It looks like a, like you have influenza. You, you're not going to know. The only way you're going to know scientifically is get tested. Mm-hmm. And I would highly recommend, you know, the question is, are you, are you still exhibiting symptoms? You know, given the why, you know, how this, uh, this virus is spread. Now, of course, everybody's not at it. You know, you could just simply have a quote unquote 24 hour bug. Right. And hopefully that's all that it is. But take these steps with cleaning. Take these steps with your hygiene. Um, you know, make sure your nutrients are up to par, top notch. Uh, however, I, if you're worried, I would highly recommend you get tested. And in fact, since you came into the program listening, I would say get tested. Mm. I mean, you don't have anything to lose by getting tested. But uncertainty. The only thing you have to lose for getting tested is uncertainty. I have a cousin who just got out of isolation. I talked to her this morning, and she was home. And she went and got tested at the hospital, and she came back negative, which is why she's home. So now she knows, at least from the point she went in to the point she went out, that she is negative for COVID-19. Other than that, you're not going to know unless somebody gives you a test. I'm talking about medical professionals. You have to go to the hospital or places that are designated. Mm -hmm. You know, get the knowledge. Get the knowledge. Be sure. You know, don't wait. Because if you go and you look at the um, at least the studies coming out of China, remember you know, they're human beings just like we are. You know, again, we're not talking about 
cultural differences here. Remember that viruses don't care about any of that. Um, when we look at those studies, um, you know, like with obstetrics, within a 30-day period, a person can get uh, the virus enters the body. They won't know. You may not know for a while. It could be mm -hmm. a few days. It could be a week or two. And then you get severe, you can get symptoms. They can be mild, but if they get critical, it can go critical really quickly. Go get tested. Get tested. Okay, my next question is from Majudi. Majudi. Um, question. I watched the governor's press conference. He keeps talking about testing, testing, testing. He is also saying with more testing, we will have more confirmed cases. So why isn't there any discussion about those who have recovered, are recovering or unscathed? Um, that I don't know why that's, that may not be the front of the conversation. Uh, I think because of the timing, you know, most of us healthcare professionals, we're, we're more worried about, you know, catching the people who have the symptoms. That's where most of the energy is going at this point. Most of the energy is going at this point. Remember that the people um, like the mayor, et cetera, those are politicians. Mm -hmm. They're politicians. They're not healthcare professionals. Uh, so, I mean, that's really the, the, the best thing I could say on that. You know, because, you know, I can't say why, you know, a politician decides not to say something. And, and sometimes it's not usually a conspiracy or anything like that. And not saying that um, our brother is implying that. But, you know, you know, we do have, we may have some people who may think that way. But I'd say it's, it's a simple search. Let's look at this, at the statistics of people who have recovered. More people recover than uh, actually have fatalities. And in fact, uh, according to the Chinese CDC, as of February 18th, they had a, an 81% survival rate. And those people will have mild uh, respiratory uh, issues. 13% uh, survival rate, again, uh, uh, they'll have severe illness. And you have 2.3% are would have fatality. However, 7 to 8% of people who contracted it got it through contact with others. And again, that's according to the statistics of the Chinese CDC. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay, I think we covered this one. Um, does the heat does heat kill the virus? We covered that, right? Um, yeah, we covered that one, and and the the short answer was no, it it doesn't. None, none of those forms that you're asking in that question kill actually kills the virus. It, it's it's a myth. Right, it kills it on the surface, but not in the body. Like yeah, right. yeah, and then also for everyone that uh, that have has joined us on the later side of things, and you missed the the beginners, we went through a whole MythBusters 
And uh, after this webinar, we're going to provide the replay, and we'll be kind of sending that out uh, throughout the week for people that, that missed it. So you can go back and watch it from the beginning and get all of that information. And we're also going to turn this into a podcast that will be airing on our, our um, podcast show. And the next oh, and just a point of clarity on the heat. Mm-hmm. So, again, surface heat, like through your dryer or something, that's not going to do it. Even though your body will heat up in regards to having a fever, but if it's in your body, it is your immune cells that will specifically kill it. Your immune cells will get it. If, and hopefully it doesn't, enter your body. Right. This is your fever. That's simply that. That's the typical response, you know. And you—that's the response you want. That means your body's working right. So, and stay hydrated. All right. I'll go to the next question. Okay. Well, this was covered as far as animals. Can animals get it on a farm or pets? That was the question. Uh, yes. Um, let's see. Oh, this one we answered too. Should a person with the underlying issue, like a health issue, wear a surgical mask um, if they have to go to the grocery store? That would be that would be recommended. You know, that per, especially if that person's coughing and sneezing. Yes. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, for those of us having to go out for essential food shopping. What practical steps and precautions can we take? And we covered that. I love that question. I love it. So when you go out and you go into the store, you want to be vigilant. Uh, Be mindful of, of course, what you touch. You know, relax while you're doing it. You know, don't stress. Don't don't panic. If you decide to take gloves and you have it in your pocket, I would take multiple gloves. Because if you go into the store, you have one pair on, you're touching everything. You know, you got the, usually probably not going to touch the door because most grocery stores are sliding doors. You go in, you pick up the basket. You're touching your food. You're touching the boxes. You put it in your basket. You know, you go to the front. The, the food and the products are put onto the conveyor belt, which is, which has, which is a cesspool of germs that happen. Now they're starting to disinfect it now, which I'm happy about. It should have mm-hmm. been doing but uh, and then it's put into the bags, etc. You still have your gloves on. You go into the car, you put your hand on the steering wheel. You go into the house, you take your gloves off and get to the house. You wash your hands. You essentially really didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Any germs. See, you just didn't get it directly on your hands, but you got mm-hmm. on blood. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a practice we do in the hospital. When you enter into a patient's room, right at the beginning, you're supposed to put the disinfectant on your hands, clean your hands. Your hands, I'll go to my wrist, and that's when I do it really quick. Let it air dry. You don your glove, meaning you put on the glove. Then you go in and you do your procedures. When you leave the, as you're leaving, you take your gloves off. Of course, you, 
you say pitch, you don't you don't grab the bot the very bottom of the glove. So you pinch, let's say like one inch from the bottom, you pinch it because you don't want to touch your wrist. You pinch the glove, you pull it up so that it goes um, outside in. Uh, yeah, yeah, outside in. And then you take your thumb and you put it under the the other glove and you pull it off. Being mindful not to touch the outside of the glove. And then you ball it up. So that way the inside of the glove is, is exposed on the outside now. Then you put it into the into the uh, disposal and then you either put the hand sanitizer on your hands or you go to the sink and wash your hands with soap and water. Think about that procedure. Let me give you another one, another example, and then we'll get back to what happens when we go into the store. Sometimes if we are taking care of a patient and we have to clean the patient, what I'll do is I'll put on two different size gloves. I'll put on a medium size glove and I'll make sure I stretch it, but not enough to break it so that it covers as much of the wrist as possible. And then I'll put the large size over top of that. And if I know it's going to be a, be a job job, then I'll put extra gloves in my pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, like in my left, I'll put the mediums and in my right, I'll put the large. So, if I have enough, if I have too much like waste, uh, uh, bodily fluids and waste on the glove, I can take the glove off using that same procedure that I just described, discard that, and I still have one. My I still have one glove, mm -hmm. and then which are still clean, and I can put gloves over top of it. Or if I'm almost done, I could just use the gloves and have one which are immediately So that reduces my need to touch myself or touch anything else. And okay, so I can still use the medium that's to have on or I can go to my pocket and put some more on. Reducing me touching different surfaces. And then everything gets discarded as I leave. So that's why when you go to a hospital or another medical facility, you have boxes of gloves. Typically, there's like 250 gloves in because you're always taking them, you're always, always donning and doffing or taking them on and off. So the same mentality you want to have when you enter into the store. So you have a pair of gloves on. Now you put two on if you want, but it's just an option. You would you could pick up the basket, say with one hand, and you know you can, you know, put your. If you have like disinfectant, I would say put disinfectant on your hand, your gloved hand, or if you don't have gloves, you know, you might be in a situation too. You can also wipe the handles, or really wipe the whole basket. You know, I've even had the the actual hand wipe and used it and picked up the basket and still had it with me. Mm. And you can have a hand wipe in the other hand and you can use that to pick up items. So in you picking up items, you are in a you're still doing a process of disinfecting. Some type of way. 
that's an option. Don't touch your face, by the way. You know, don't touch your face when your hands are not clean. Especially like when you're out, don't touch your face. Don't touch your face, don't scratch your ears or your eyes. Or your uh, again, do the social distancing as much as you can. You know, when you go into the stores. But mostly it's the touching things. Uh, I've seen a cashier who had the gloves on. Now, she, this cashier protected herself, but she has on gloves for everything else. She's not taking her gloves off between each customer, which is the, which is the medical mentality of the teacher. So she's not protecting nobody else. So she can still transmit. Mm. But of course, you know, you know, this cashier's training is not medical. Right. So this cashier is more likely not thinking in the same uh, fashion. So I hope that helps somewhat. Uh, make sure you have your uh, like a little disinfectant. Uh, gel or liquid with you, keep it in your pocket. You know, put it on your hands right before you pick up the basket. You know, put it on hand for it right before you pick up items. Okay. Um, the oh, next here. Uh -huh. So again, when you get home, remember remove your shoes at the door. You have items in the bag. Uh, you can take take your items out, and let's say if you have fruit, your fruits and vegetables, take them out, put them directly in the sink. Mm. Put everything directly in the sink, and you know because you want to be able to wash those things. Now, I think there is like vegetable cleaner sprays as well. Use that, rinse that stuff down. If you can use the uh, food cleaner that may have some type of food grade soap or something that exists, use that. You know, get those things clean. Uh, cardboard boxes, anything like for delivery, you know, that we have. Uh, I've sprayed some boxes and, let you know, let it dry off. I've done that. Um, and as soon as I'm done, you know, I'll take it to the garbage and don't drag it in the house. And then sit there, paper bags, things like that. Now, virus does not survive very long on those surfaces. However, you know, anything is possible. Oh, and then the question about getting items from China. Uh, again, this is, not, this is not a time to say, well, you know what? I don't like Chinese people because you came out of China, where the bulk of Chinese people are quite sure, you know, are not thinking in their heads. Hey, I want to get someone else the virus. How about it? Um, anyway, items coming from China. The time it takes to get from China to your location, uh, the virus would have died on the surface. So you don't have to worry about that, but if you want to take precaution, you can still wipe down the outside of the box before you touch it, or use gloves to open the box. And then before you take the actual item out of the box, Remove your gloves, then take the item out the box, set it to where you set it to the side wherever you want to put it, 
and then put on a, take the old pair that you just had on, throw it inside of the box, put on another pair of gloves, take the box, and then take it outside. And then right before you come in the house, um, right you come in, take your gloves off and discard it. Wash your hands immediately. I'll take the next question. Okay, this one is kind of in alignment with the grocery store. Um, they said, I was a little concerned when the grocery store workers were restocking the shelves and they did not have on gloves. Shouldn't they wear them also, or is it not necessary? What if they have the virus? They are then contaminating products, scary times. Okay, so workers have, well, see, the virus can still be on the outside of the glove. So I would say your concern, I wouldn't say, would be whether they are transmitting it that way because it could be on the outside of the glove. The glove would be more so to protect them, not other people. Mm. Now, it, in fact, let me modify that. Let's just say that worker sneezed on his or her hand. And then that worker, and that worker unknowingly has COVID-19, but then the worker put on gloves. And it completely covered the surface of where that COVID, uh, COVID virus is present. In that case, it would have stopped the, the transmission from that particular case. But if they don't have on gloves, the only thing they need to do is just wash their hands. Just make sure you wash yours and do everything you can to not transmit, possibly transmit. Okay. Okay. The next one is the last question. Um, for those of us with autoimmune conditions, this person has Hashimoto's. Um, still, I still have to go to work. And I'm um, working from home. Is it an option? And she's because they're considered to be a critical worker. Would it be advisable to avoid the workplace and consider unpaid leave and remain home? If working from home is a viable option, uh, in that particular case, I definitely would take it. Uh, and remember that my suggestion should not replace your doctor's suggestion. So make sure you ask your doctor some questions about that, you know. Uh, but again, if I was in that situation, I would I would see if I could work from home so that you are not compromised. Yeah, this person, they're not able to. Yeah, they're, they're considered a critical uh, worker, that, so they have to go in. Okay, yeah. Um, do everything to protect yourself. Make sure that you have, um, you know, proper PPE, person protective equipment, at all times, make sure you have plenty of gloves. Uh, I would even say look at different videos by nurses and other healthcare professionals on PPE. So, right, PPE, personal protective equipment, and see what they're doing. What, the, what are their techniques? Learn as much as you can. I would even say practice inside of your home first. Practice in your home. You know, get into these habits. This person should definitely have a mask, right? Uh, I would say have a mask. The, the most effective one between uh, the surgical and N95 is the N95 mask. Now, here's the thing with the N95 mask. Uh, you know, it, 
it, get, it can get uncomfortable after a while, mm-hmm. you know, because it's still holding us in air. So you're breathe, you're, you still have to do your, your respirations. So, you know, you're, you're breathing in your own carbon dioxide, right? mm-hmm. you know, of course, not a, not a poison stuff. Right. Uh, so wear it where necessary. Keep all the disinfecting surfaces. You're going to have to constantly do that. You know, just make a habit out of it. Have, in fact, have fun with it if you can. Mm-hmm. Have fun with it. Just, just look at this is the opportunity. This is the opportunity for what we call lobbying. You know, cleanliness. They say cleanliness is next to guidance. You know, constantly think about purity. This is the thing about that opportunity. You know, optimize this thing for yourself. Okay. That was uh that was all of the questions. We got through all. <laughs> <laughs> so um I know we went a little long, but I, I appreciate everyone that uh, stayed from beginning to end. And uh, for those who who didn't, we have we have the recording for you all to to watch later. And uh, Chris, we really appreciate you coming on. This was a powerful show. I think we provided a lot of useful information, and that's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be that source of useful information and approaching this from a holistic perspective, meaning, you know, multiple angles, not just one area so that people feel more prepared and empowered in how to handle these crazy times that we're in. And um, in the future, you know, if there's new development and, and, and you have some other insight that you feel isn't necessarily mainstream but could be of value we definitely welcome you back on the show uh to have a conversation and and just kind of check in uh you know in the future you know a few weeks from now or so most definitely and just to let everyone know uh we intend to do weekly uh webinars to to discuss different aspects of how we can support you on your, your your journey at home and uh, any 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 other um, thing we wanted to share, Kim? No, that's all. Just I mean, this was a lot of information. So um, we're gonna send out the the replay. We're gonna break it up into the podcast. So just keep re-listening to it, take it notes, and most importantly, implement the information so yeah. that we can keep ourselves and our families safe and get through this on the other side healthy, strong, and, and we can keep moving forward. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and Chris, it, but before we let you go, is there any, you got any final thoughts? Yeah. So I'm going to share an experience that I had with a patient who was on watch for COVID-19 at that time. This was, which was about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And mind you, I don't know if this patient actually um, had it. But what I did was this, to go in and, you know, this patient is, you know, she's shaking, again, because she has a high fever, and this patient is afraid. I can see in, in, in this patient's eyes the fear. So I said to this patient, listen, you can empower yourself 
And I was very careful not to say you're going to get through this because I don't know. Right. We, you know, because we have to be very careful uh, about giving false hope. Mm-hmm. I said, you can empower yourself because your actions and how you interact with this thing, this situation, could be an inspiration for other people. And she asked me, well, what can I do? I said, you can do a lot while you're here. So I'm in isolation. That is not, this is not a prison for you. This is not a cage. You still have it. So I said, you know, if you're still able to get up and move, you're still breathing, right? She said, yes. And I gave her the disinfectant wipes. I said, so you're coughing and sneezing. Every time you do, it shoots out into the air. Attack it. Go after it. So she started wiping down surfaces. I said, constantly do that. Constantly do that. I gave a patient, I gave, I gave a patient some gloves. And I said, if you run out, tell the, the, tech, the technicians or the nurse or doctor, can you bring me a box of gloves? So that you can fight this thing too. You're not just you don't have to just lay there and feel like you're defeated. You are not defeated. You can do this. And that's what she started doing. Take charge. Everyone listening, take charge. You know, wipe down your floors with disinfectant wet. You know, especially in the front area. Take charge of it. Mm-hmm. Take charge of what happens to what happens to you and your family. Everyone listening, if you are a healthcare professional, no matter what which which subsector, it is our responsibility because we have the inside knowledge of procedures of how to fight infections, of how to stop the spread of diseases, pathogens, etc. It is our responsibility to bring this knowledge, to bring this information to people who don't have that training. Don't be silent. Step up. Communicate with your friends and other your colleagues and who are in different places in the, in the country. We need to be sharing. Right now, it's the time for us to share information. You know, you might yes. work in the hospital. You may have a, a healthcare provider who's into natural healing who may not work there, you need to take your information and share it with him or her. Like, hey, you know, let's work together. And then that natural health practitioner could say, hey, I'm really good with nutrition. And then you say, okay, well, tell, give me some, to talk to me, what do you know? Start sharing notes, sharing research. And we need to take charge of our communities. Because understand that in the, I know in the black community, you know, we are, and I'm saying collectively, we either don't have as much information or we're not accessing it, and many of us may not have healthcare benefits because of our economic status. That doesn't mean we can't take charge. So those of us who have the information, have this, we need to bring it to, bring it to the rest of us. Uh, our people, educate them, mm-hmm. train them, train people on how to wash hands because everybody does not do it in practice. They don't have the habit. 
sit there and train the person, watch them. Like, no, do it like this. Show the person how to do it. And then charge that person. Now you go train someone else to do the exact same thing I taught you. Because see, keep in mind, if the virus spreads, guess what? Information spreads. Mm -hmm. And we can get ahead of it. Take charge. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, brother. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. And it's my, you know, it's my honor to be able to, you know, and duty to share this with uh, everyone else so that we can all be a part. Yes. Mm -hmm. Close it out, Cam. Um, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. You know I'm silly. So I just want to say thank you, um, everyone that's still on the uh, on the webinar. Um, but thank you for joining us. Like I said, we're going to once this is rendering and and fully uh, you know rendered on the Zoom, then I will share the replay. I'm going to e email it out to everyone. Feel free to share this recording with anyone who you think will benefit, family, friends, loved ones. Please share this video. is perfectly fine. Um, and like I said, we're going to also chop it up to um, smaller bits for the podcast um, so we can get this uh, knowledge out to as many people as we can. And um, stay tuned for other webinars that we'll have during the week um, where we're going to share some other information, you know, from a holistic perspective to help us protect ourselves and our families during this time with the coronavirus. Yes. Um, so thank you for joining us. And until next time, live healthier and stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. Peace and blessings. Peace. So that is the conclusion of part three of our Understanding COVID-19 series. Hopefully you received a lot of value from it. And as I mentioned earlier, please share this episode with as many people um, as you can so we can all, you know, learn from this. And what's concerning to me is that when we talk to various people just, you know, about what's going on in their lives or you hear various conversations or you see certain things, you know, it just, you know, I'm very concerned about how some people are not really taking these guidelines that seriously sometimes if you're not closely impacted by COVID-19 if you don't and know anyone that may have suffered from it or so on and so forth sometimes you can take it lightly and you you don't want to live in fear but you you want to have concern and you want to live you know you want to follow these protocols and protect yourself if you talk to enough people you will see or hear that a lot of people you know, there are a lot of people that are very lax with the protocols. Um, they feel like, you know, sometimes people, this is overrated. And that that's very alarming and concerning. So with this, this three-part series, we wanted to educate, you know, our listeners, educate you on what COVID-19 is. And that, you know, we don't want to live in fear, but we need to take it seriously. And it shouldn't be someone losing their life that you know or someone getting sick for you to, to, to take this seriously and implement the things that we mentioned in this episode. So please share this information, follow the information that was shared and let's keep ourselves safe and protected. Yes. And before we go, 
COVID-19 has impacted all businesses. It has impacted life, strength and health. But we are creative in finding ways to continue to serve and to help people, especially during this day and time where our health and our immunity is one of the many defenses that we have against COVID-19. And if you are someone who wants to improve their health, wants to strengthen and fortify the immunity for yourself and your family, there's no better time than now when most of us are stuck at home. A lot of our obligations are limited in terms of traveling and logistics. And this is the time we have extra time to put our health first and to do those things to fortify and strengthen our bodies and our immune system. And we help people to do that with our virtual consultations. This is something that we have been doing for many years and it's, you know, actually a great time to take advantage of it. And with our virtual consultations, we give you the clarity on what you may be experiencing in terms of health challenges. And we provide you with a customized roadmap to help you to optimize your health and to feel and look your best. Yeah, this is really the perfect opportunity to lock in on your health because during this time of social distancing and self-isolation, you have the time to focus on you. And a lot of times there are a lot of distractions for people There's a lot of reasons why people can't focus on themselves. It's a lot of reasons why they can't go deeper with health protocols because life gets in the way. But this is an opportunity for you to get something customized and to have the time and the focus and the force discipline to do what it is that you have to do to transform your health. Yes, definitely. And to learn more about our virtual consultations or to schedule one, just go to lifestrengthandhealth.com. So once again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until next time, live healthier. Yes. Stay healthy, everyone. Peace and blessings.